Welcome to the Bare Naked ABCs, where we discuss every Bare Naked Ladies song from Seven to I. You know, some artists get their ideas for their songs from dreams. The great Paul McCartney is known for writing songs based on dreams, along with a million other different muses. But it's interesting that he never wrote about dreams of being bare naked in front of an audience or class. That is a pretty normal, although disconcerting, dream that people have. He also never wrote a song about dreams about flying, but I know a band that did just recently. And I'm not talking about Kenny Loggins, who also wrote a song called Flying Dreams. Dream by night, wish by day, love begins this way. Loving starts when open hearts touch and stay. But this week we will be discussing Bare Naked Ladies' song, Flying Dreams. If you could walk, if you could talk, where would we go? What would you say to me? And to help me do that, I do not have Aaron or Michelle this week. Unfortunately, they'll be adding their opinions in later on. But I do have a special guest that I am very happy to have with us. Um, I have with us this week, Ben Kaplan. Not the Ben Kaplan that's the Canadian folk musician from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Not the Ben Kaplan that's the character from the British spy series Spooks. That would be kind of odd to pull that one off. Not the Ben Kaplan that was the American copyright scholar and jurist that died in 2010. That, that also would have been a really cool poll. No, I have with me Ben Kaplan that recently, on July 4th of this year, wrote an article about one of the Bare Naked Ladies and the one that wrote tonight's song, Kevin Hearn. And I would like to know a little bit more about you, Ben. Welcome to the program. Well, thanks very much for having me. I love this program, and uh, very cool to be part of your universe. Thank you. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thank you for coming on. So you're from Sharp Magazine, is that correct? Well, you know, I am, uh, I'm from New York. I'm an American. My wife's Canadian, and uh, I moved up here in 2005, let's say, to Toronto, and I am, uh, I'm actually the general manager of a running magazine. Uh, I do a lot of running, and the magazine's called I Run. But I'm a writer also, gun for hire, so to speak. And Sharp Magazine is one of the places that I do a lot of things for these large-form features, like I wrote about Mr. Kevin Hearn. And yeah, that's sort of the Canadian equivalent of, let's say, GQ or Esquire. Like That's a men's magazine up here. And although that's sort of like men's magazine sounds a little passe, like that sort of uh, classification, but I would say the magazine is very good. It's very cool. And yeah, so that's my bio. That's my spiel. <laughs> now, how long have you been writing? Oh, I've been doing this for a long time. I guess junior year of college, I was doing a semester abroad in Spain and I started writing letters back home and I sort of... My needle had no compass, as they say, and but with writing these little letters, I found my sort of calling. I like to express myself. Basically, the tone of those letters is sort of the tone that a lot of my stuff has since taken on, Just sort of first person, you know, funny observations and whatever. But I guess as a journalist, yeah, I've had my stuff in different places, including GQ and the New York Times and whatever. I could brag a little bit, but just so you know that uh, your guests know you have a quality guest on your, you know, so your listeners know you're not just bringing on any schlub. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I've been doing journalism and music journalism in particular, I guess, for God, I don't know, I guess it's 20 years now, something. <laughs> wow, that's a that's a good career. I mean, so so. <laughs> Appreciate you saying that, though. <laughs> so you, I, I've been reading some. Uh, over the last couple of days of some of the articles that you've written. I love the article that you wrote about whether it's useful to have a therapist. That was a really interesting, interesting uh, article that you had. What do you think? I'm talking to someone that understands the field tonight. So, no, I liked the article. I thought it was great. Cool. 
it's good to have a perspective from the people that are on the other side of the couch, so it's, to speak. Yeah, I mean, I knew it was time to switch. My guy kept falling asleep in the middle of it, and I think that's when you know, oh, you yeah. know, maybe not in the hands of Sigmund Freud. <laughs> <laughs> You're obviously not making a good connection with that guy. It's not the right connect, not the right personality connection if they're falling asleep on you. Straight up asleep. It's hard to connect with someone that's asleep. Yeah. The other one I read was uh, the one about you and your dad in Vegas. Right. Okay. Yeah. That came from that experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that people need to know, like, so you write from the heart. You're very educated. You're very knowledgeable. But at the same time, you use a lot of humor while you're writing. And it's not intentional humor. It's humor that just comes from, from storytelling. And it's very well first-person done article. Well, man, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, I would say if you had to, not to, you know, I would say that, that if there would be a, a kind of a, a, a name to my style, it would be sort of that, you know, it tries to, tries to do that. But I mean, the great thing is when we transitioned into talking about Kevin, the bare naked ladies, like get off, I think we probably used up my 15 minutes of career. <laughs> but the thing I'll tell you, I mean, what your people are going to want to know is like, if they, they love this band, obviously listening to this show, they love this band that I could say, Kev is a person. I mean, he is universally regarded. I mean, he was so open at this stage, you know, the kind of stuff I do. I used to, when I was at the paper, every Tuesday I would do a music story and all the different bands that would come through. They have junkets. So they're putting out a record. So, you know, each person from all the papers and whatever gets 15 minutes with the killers, let's say, or, you know, Kid Cudi, whoever it is. I mean, whoever's got a record, they right. come down, uh, you know, and I've done all of them that way. But I've sort of since stopped writing in that way. And I spend, I'd rather do less pieces, but do the pieces that I do and make them bigger. But you can only do that on certain people. Some you need the access and you also need the people to be open to the process. You know, it's not going to work if they don't have a story to tell. It's not going to work. And if they won't let you inside, it's not going to work either. It can't be surface, you know, because I spend, you know, I end up spending an inordinate amount of time on doing these things. Like those thousand words or whatever it was that appeared, you know, came over four months of hanging out with this guy and like, you know, and he lives right around the block from me and like, you know, and you see him, I mean, Toronto's real cool like that. You see the guys, they're out, they're not. And you know, the musicians at this level, they have money, you know, but they're not rich, you know, he's not, right. and, you know, they're doing well. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's, they're down to earth. They, they, tra they yeah. travel around, they, they go around the city. They don't just like go everywhere in a limo. And No, nothing like that. I mean, it's not nothing like that. You know, they're, they're around. I mean, my kids have met Kevin like five times just because he's just, you know, he hits the street. Uh, you know, I don't know where I was going with that, but I would say that like anyone who's a fan of this band, like if you knew this guy, and when we get into that track, this personal, like unbelievable track uh, about his daughter is really you know, something special. Yeah. No, it sounds like you got a lot of great experiences and, and got to talk to him pretty in depth. I mean, the, the article definitely takes your style, but almost in a way takes that first person style that you do so well for you and puts it into third person for him. But it's almost like you're understanding him at a very deep level, the way that you've written that article. I mean, you know, you, you do these things, and it's uh, it's a it's it's a luxury. I mean, you almost feel it's weird when I do these. I do, you know, in the year before, I did one of these on uh, a, another Toronto band called Broken Social Scene, and it was the same sort of thing. And what you end up doing with your character, your main character, is you sort of go under their skin, like inside them, in some kind of weird way. Like you become like. Yeah, and you know, you're sort of their therapist and they're sort of your therapist and you become sort of like, I mean, your brother's in this weird way, even closer than that, because you're trusting each other. And then you get past, you get to this line that like, you know, what's on the record, what's off the record, it doesn't matter anymore. Like you're just trying to get, they're trying to explain their truth and you're trying to figure out their truth and you just got to, it's cool because I've been doing this now with these people, you know, especially the Toronto musicians, I've been doing this for like, 
13 years, I guess, with them. And it's a small, it's a big scene, but it's also kind of small. So mm-hmm. like, know the guys. And we had like, you know, there was 10 other musicians in, in the thing talking about Kevin that we ended up cutting, blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, you know the people, I know them, you know, now. So it's like, you know, it's been, you, you know, you don't just walk into it and do these things. It's like, you know, I've known him for time. So right. I hope it shows, you know, I mean, hopefully that it, it reveals himself and he was comfortable enough with me. It very much does. That kind of leads me to my, my question that I have for you, which is, well, I mean, I have many, but the, the major one I have for you before we get into the song proper how did this come about? How did this article manifest itself? I'll tell you something. I'll tell you the God's honest truth is I uh, was going to do a story on the pornography scene in Montreal, which is very much fodder for a men's magazine. They're like evergreen. You want to do a story for a men's <laughs> magazine, do it on pornography. They'll take the story every time. It's just people are fascinated. Montreal is a big hub. I, th- I forget what it was now. Either Pornhub or YouPorn or one of those things is based in Montreal. I like to write. I, also, I want the money. You know, I need to do stories. Okay. So, so I was going to do that, and I and I told my editor, you know, I'm sort of like a writer at large over there. So, you know, he was like, good, you know, or flush it out or whatever. But like, you know, that's roughly the space I had and the thing I had, and like, and like that die was cast. And then we have a friend who's got a kid with mobility issues, and I don't know how you would. Describe, he has seizures. The kid has seizures, and anyway, and so the, and his kid can't go to a regular school. He goes to a special needs school. And okay. Kevin's kid goes to that school, and he had known he, he he had been on me to do a thing about Kevin, and I have done things on Kevin before. I knew him already, and I had done stuff on him before for one of his other records or something like that. So that wasn't the first time. And actually for one of those other stories I did. And I knew I could Lou Reed gave me a quote and I'll try to dig that up and I'll email it to you. Cause Lou Reed gave me a hilarious quote uh, about Kevin. But anyway, he, so my buddy, so, you know, so me and my editor were out one night and we ran into my buddy and he would not stop talking about doing the thing on Kevin. And <laughs> And it was to me and the to me and the uh, and my editor, and I and I kind of brushed it off, or you know whatever. But in the morning, I woke up and I was like, absolutely, absolutely. And I joke about this with Kevin because you end up immersing yourself, and it's like that's such a bad place to be. And I don't really need to know about people's opinions on pornography or whatever. And people can make I, whatever. All I know is it's just an. I mean, I have little kids and I have a young dog. Like I don't know. It just yucky for me to be around you know yeah. i'd rather be around kev you know what i mean it was, <laughs> it was like you'd rather write a song you'd rather write a piece about being about fake nudes than about pornography well i you know i'd rather like <laughs> than, you know or be grimy you know i you know yeah i don't know but so i i always tell him that that like this could have been uh i was like because you occupy that space you wear it you know uh, so that's why. So then, so in the morning I woke up, he was like, oh my God, that's terrific. And then like, and then me and Kevin, you know, and then it was like, and then, you know, the cool thing too is Kevin is this way that like, you know, we did this before there wasn't like a record to promote or something like that. It wasn't like, that wasn't the hook. Like I didn't need a hook like that. Right. It, it turned out now there is a, there is a, a new record out and there's also a, a documentary that he's part of. But when we did this, it was like, because that kind of way of doing it too is sort of like reminds me of when like, you now have 10 minutes with the killers or, you know, you have 10 minutes with Neil Diamond or whatever, which is great. But, but that thing when it's hook based, it's like, okay, right. But when it's not where you could just say, this is just a story that deserves to be told. And it's the story is the hook, not the, here's the thing I'm trying to sell you, you know? Right. So Kevin, I sat down, I mean, and he's approachable. So, you know, and we hashed it out and I told him what I wanted to do, but I said like, you know, we're, we're, we're going to go there or whatever. And he was like, yeah, you know, and he has this way about him. And he, he didn't have any scruples and he was like, and he's always doing a lot of interesting things. He was going to Wisconsin to play with the violent femmes, you know, and it was like, we were looking at our calendars and he was like, now I'm in the studio with the real statics and here I'm going to be doing this. And you know, how do you want to work it out? And I was like, okay, great. You know, this will be, this will work. Nice. Yeah. What a great opportunity. Yeah. And people love them, and it hadn't been done like that. So right. sort of people are familiar with certain elements of that. People know that Kevin spent time with Lou Reed. 
people know that Kevin spent time with Gord Downey, you know, and both before both of those guys passed away, it's icons. But it was never the whole thing about his own battles with leukemia, and it was never with his daughter. Uh, you know, the whole narrative wasn't pieced together, how he joined the band and what was going on with Stephen Page at the time. You know, and everybody was very open, and also that I wasn't, like, chasing some sort of gossipy headline about Stephen Page or whatever that, you know, that, that, that writers up here have done. You know, obviously that's news when the band broke up and all of that, but I wasn't, but it wasn't any of that. And so Ed and all the guys, like they were very like, you know, I was in this, in their trailer before they would go on stage and I was just like at Kevin's house and like, you know, like they were really like, and nobody, uh, you know, they were, they were an open book, which was nice. Which is great. Yeah. And it- it leads to an article like what you have written. What I love about the article that you've written is that it's it tells the personal story. Yeah. A lot of these articles, like you were mentioning, from these junkets, you get the uh, interesting questions that gives interesting you know info drops about their past. Uh, you get information that kind of didn't come out before, but you don't get the person. Yeah. In your article, you definitely feel, or at least I felt in reading the article, and other people I've talked to that have read it felt the same, you get to know Kevin and understand like the story of Kevin and, and the type of person that he is and the personal demons that he's kind of had to face. Yeah. I hate saying personal demons because it really doesn't match Kevin because he's, it sounds like he's just a very easygoing, down-to-earth guy that goes with the punches and he's had some pretty bad situations thrown in his way and had to deal with a lot of, a lot of uh, bad things in his life. A lot of, a lot of sad things in his life. Um, And he just has an amazing way of restructuring it and reframing it and, and coming at it in a very positive light. It sounds like. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, and somehow it's a metaphor because we all do. Right. I mean, we all know where it's going to end. We all know what's going to happen, you know, we know what's going to happen to us, what's going to happen to our parents, you know, God willing, not our kids. Kevin's kids, you know, his daughter, I think she's 14. They said she wasn't going to make it past 10, you know, right. so Kevin, like, he's, he, he lives with that and he tries to, you know, just like he lived, we knew Gord Downey, you know, the prognosis on glioblastoma is, you know, he, he lasted longer than, than he would have, uh, one would have thought and you know but you go into those situations and i think kev says in the story and i mean you know i get to be you i get to be with you to the end it's an honor you know it's an honor uh you know i'll make i'll I'll make do every uh you know with every moment that i can which isn't to say that you know it's bittersweet i mean it's very bittersweet and uh but he keeps going you know as i mean again as you know as we all sort of do and you know he doesn't wallow and he doesn't pity himself or anything like that and he makes interesting music and he's creative and he draws and he paints and he shares you know he's active on social media and he's you know he's he's trying to be alive while he's here which is amazing yeah to have that perspective on life to take it from that direction is is a person that i think everyone kind of wants to be around he he's that kind of guy yeah, I mean, the uh, one of the guys in my story is singer Kevin Drew, who had spent a lot of time with Gord Downey doing the last Tragically Hip record and then doing Gord Downey's last solo record. And they had a riff, you know, as happens in creative partnerships. Plus, things were going crazy around Gord Downey at the time. I mean, he was dying. So the band was going on a tour. He's got his own kids. I mean, just whatever. The guys had a riff. And Kevin... Drew was just telling me how that he will thank Kevin Hearn forever because Kev really shook him and he said, hey, don't do this, man. I mean, this is this is what we got. This is maybe all we got. You know, snap out of it, throw that in the trash and come in here fresh. And 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 Kev says, you know, he'll he'll. That till his dying day, he'll always thank Kevin for that. He's—I he, forget how he says it, but he says it in this. He has a cool way of talking. But he said, you know, he pulled him very—he pulled him away from a powerful regret that was sure to come. You know. Yeah. So he did that. You know. So he's uh, good friend to have. Yeah, 
He, he's a powerful man and, and an amazing man to have in your circle, I would imagine. Yeah, in this soft-spoken way. I mean, and you know, in all of these things, and I don't know if the piece makes enough of it, but like how uh, generous and creative he is artistically. Like, so all of that stuff is wonderful, but if you can't play the bass, you know, and you, you <laughs> You're not that good to have in a band if you're just a sweetheart. Although, you know, right. I mean, put you on stage to hit a tambourine if you're that lovely. But, also, <laughs> I mean, you know, they may, you know, quite a few people and quite a few, like, renowned musicians. I don't know if uh, Ron Sexsmith, if he charts in, in the States, if you've heard of him. But he's, I, you know, he's like the sort of, I don't know what you would call him, but like a Canadian Nick Cave or, I don't but anyway, he, you know, he, the, the, the guys call him genius, you know, and they say he's brilliant in the studio. And Ed says, like, you know, he could take a song and it's like sort of half finished and like, but it needs something and he doesn't know, you know, and he just gives it to Kevin and Kevin can like, you know, like the only way I can describe it is just sprinkle it through with the magic. And I saw him in the studio working on a record. It was for a band called The Rio Statics. And I saw how he would add things and, and you know, and pick up, he, he brought a trunk to the session and the trunk, inside the trunk were these like strange instruments that I'd never seen, but they just add, <laughs> um, they make an arrangement and whimsical, you know, the, 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 these instruments add a certain whimsy to it, but the story, the song in particular had like a nautical theme and Kev had like these, not kazoos, but like just stuff, you know, and he, and it makes the builds more dramatic and he adds sort of whimsy when they were on the sea and you can see how he makes the song, you know, he takes a track and he turns it into a gem. Right. Yeah. And, and it's amazing because you hear all those little things in the background that make it so amazing. And it's, it's things that, that even Ed in interviews has said, like that's Kevin going upstairs into his little area where he just experiments and then brings down what he thinks is going to work. Yeah. I mean, and it makes a tune, you know, it just gives it that thing. I mean, cause music, you know, you take a guy on an acoustic guitar or something, you know, it's like, we've heard a lot of stuff by now, you know, it's been a long time since little Richard, a lot of stuff has been on wax. Right. Oh, you know, to, to finagle it and things, let alone his sense of rhythm and harmony and just his, you know, um, he was singing in the church when he was a kid. So, I mean, he, he can do that. And he's so melodic, you know, oh, yeah. rhythmic, just groovy. But it's, it, it's also this ear to sort of make a tune just, in, in, I don't know, just interesting. And that make, you want to hear it again. You need to hear it again, I think. And that's that's important. Yeah. And, and and the best example of that is what he does with the song that he wrote himself, but is really a, a great example is uh, Born Human. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, I, all those interesting pieces are just compiled in there, but it all works together really well. Yeah. I mean, he, he's got a sixth sense with it. And the, the important thing to know, and I think Ed uses this word too, is he's got a playfulness to it. And, and you know, and he... And he, he you know, you don't want to simplify him, too, because he's sad also. And again, in Flying Dream, you know, he talks about being depressed. I mean, he's been, you know, it's it's not he's not like this, like, you know, space cadet, you know, uh, elf. You know, he goes to the dark places, too. But like but but the notion of playing that you can hear in some of these tracks um, you know, a sense of wonder, a sense of awe. And he can he can commit that to a track just by by playing and experimenting and very much in the session I was at you know it was that was the thing and the guys were trying to ooh ah you know like what can we do you know very much not like you know you always see these things like when bands are at their wits end and the tensions are fraying and people are ah and the energy is terrible and like you know and and this is quite the opposite this is these are friends. This is playing. This is let's do something great. Let's how about this? Yeah, man, great. Like let's try that. Like okay, what if I? You know, it's always it's like very much like that improv thing. Yes, and yeah, you know, yeah. They're always adding to it and finding the good things that are go that are going on and and building on that. Yeah, and I think you know by giving you giving you the space to play, 
you know, you feel comfortable, you feel safe. And again, that's another thing about his personality that you just, you know, people feel comfortable around him. They can be vulnerable. They can open up. You know, they can experiment. So we've talked a lot about his personality. Let's let's talk specifically about this song that he has written. Um, I, I get the feeling that this is very much, even though it's credited to Kevin, I feel like it's very much a Kevin song. Like this is, they, they may have played around with it and added things to it, but I get the feeling that this is very Kevin. I mean, it's 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 extraordinarily personal, and 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 Kevin, I Kevin introduced me to Havana, his daughter's Havana, and we went to uh, to her school, and you see her, and you know, and, and you know, she can't stand, and she can't walk, and she can't speak, and but he communicates with her, and he can make her, and she could put her hand on the piano and hit a note, and she can feel the vibrations, and she can she has responses. So this tune is very much putting himself in. Her her, you know, imagining her in her life in the best way possible, you know, her flying dream that like where she goes, I wonder where you go. You know, there's no way of knowing, but he's picturing her up above the clouds, you know, soaring in this right. dream. I mean, it's an extraordinarily beautiful, moving song. And there's a, a, a performer up here named Hayden. And Hayden's very close with the National, who whose name might resonate further with the listeners if they don't know who Hayden is. Although I would say Hayden is perhaps maybe my favorite living musician. Uh, he is just unbelievable. So if you haven't heard Hayden, please check out Hayden. And if you want a real quick intro to him, you should Google Hayden doing uh, the Nationals' I Need My Girl. Boy, if you want to be blown away, listen to that. But anyway, Hayden's daughter as well goes to school with Alex's daughter and with Kevin's daughter. And she too has uh, some development disabilities. And Hayden does a concert every year and the National played this and other people play it, but he does it every year to raise money for these people, to raise money, to raise money for caregivers who can help relieve the parents some. Because when you have a, a special needs kid, this is taking all of your energy. Oh you know? yeah. And how many couples break up with this and there's other siblings and the parents are exhausted and the house is a mess and you can't get a moment to breathe and i remember when hayden first did this i was interviewing him and his girl or him and his wife forget you know and you know and she was crying they, you know they it's, it's just raw stuff i mean it's life but they've got a platform he's got this platform and anyway so kev opened the show with flying dream and he oh. had a video oh and, and the video was stuff that i i believe his partner took i believe she's a videographer i don't i'm not but the point is, it was a, of her. It was mm -hmm. a compilation of his daughter to that tune live. Wow. And, uh, I mean, forget about it. In that audience with a fundraiser. I mean, because it really showed. And it showed her, you know, smiling and being with Kevin and the family. But you really, you know, you, got, you certainly got the sense that what we were all there for and what he's talking about. And, and you know, right. and, and what that, um, it was... Yeah, it was. I would say, you know, it was. If you were not moved by that, I don't know what to tell you. How powerful it must have been, like, and that, as the opening, like the the yeah. starting of that whole charity, like extraordinarily dramatic. And I think, uh, you know, and everybody too is sort of like, it's it's great that it's to have a platform and to be open about it and to show people and say, well, you know, we love our kids. These are our kids. These are human beings. These are people. These are sending it people with feelings. This is our lives. We're not, you know, you might see us on the street, but you don't know what it's like to be. I mean, no one knows what it's like to be in anybody else's shoes, but this is this, right. you know, but this is these opening it up and, you know, and sharing. And especially, you know, your fans of Hayden, your fans of the Bare Naked Ladies. This is what that means. I mean, and this is what this is who I am. And this is this tune and this is this charity and this is my life and this is my kid. And I love her and I hope you guys can. Uh, can catch my drift, you know? And, and, you know, when you give your audience, when you respect your audience like that and you give us a chance, it's like, wow, man, they're, they're going to, they're going to feel, and they're going to be empathetic and they're going to want to help. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so it's like an, it's a net positive for society at large and it's, you know, and it's, and it's such a beautiful song. I mean, what we're getting ready to do this, I probably listened to it 20 times. And it's just, you know, it's just, it's just a really, wonderful thing and for anybody who knows anybody who's ever been in that scene i've been on the you know my, my two times 
two times recently I've been sitting there in, on, on deathbed watch and it's like you could see and that, that's not that instance exactly with Kev what he's talking about but you know what that when they're out you know it's a it's certainly a nice way to, to think about it because who knows maybe that is it maybe yeah. it is. it's a dream I haven't announced it yet this week. This week's episode is about flying dreams of fake nudes in 2017, written by Kevin Hearn. Um, <laughs> it is very specifically about Kevin and his relationship with his daughter and what he what he thinks about and what he thinks she might be thinking or hopes that she might be dreaming about. Of course, you and I both know being having people that are in the in the psychiatric the psychiatric field know that flying dreams typically are there as representations, um, especially Jungian adaptation. Um, that flying dreams is really about freedom, relaxation, happiness, um, and so you know the song is is about him hoping that she's having happy dreams that, that she is viewing life from her perspective in a happy way. I At least mean- that's what I think it takes. Well, I, I, it's a gorgeous take. I mean, I, I, I would agree. And, uh, you know, and it's a really gorgeous take and it's a, it's just an unbelievable track. I mean, it's just a, it's a gorgeous tune. It is. It's interesting. He starts off the beginning of the song with some very moody, some very suspenseful throat singing By Tanya, I'm going to mess up her last name horribly. Tanya Tagak, yeah, I want to say it is. Yeah. Um, she's won the Polaris Prize, um, and I don't know what he's trying to do there with it. It's an interesting and very different take because from that opening, uh, which is is very moody, it then slips into this very peaceful, relaxed, happy, but at the same time. Uh, melancholic type of song. Yeah, I, you know, and I can only think, and, and that Tanya Tagak is a real legend up here too, and she's doing a lot, and she's very outspoken, and she's an author and things, so she's she's a big personality, and she's big on the scene, and she's really sort of a radical thinker and for indigenous rights and things, and she's, you know, but I, I would say, although now we're I'm only speculating, but perhaps that represents another side of the journey, the struggle, you know, yes. the, uh, before we get to the, before we get to the peace, we go through the war and that's the, uh, no doubt this kid feels that no doubt this kid goes through it. No doubt he does. No doubt his mm-hmm. part. But oh, then- and there's going to be struggles. I mean, that's life and in general with people who are, are abled as most kids walking down the street, um, is a struggle at times to, to be going through the struggles that she has, um, and other people with special abilities, um, and, and the difficulties that they must have, of course, there's going to be struggles. Yeah. And so, you know, that's an interesting choice. I don't know if if that was, if, if, if he meant it to, uh, to illustrate that, but perhaps, but it would certainly, that would hold. And then when it ends, there's this peace, there's this flight. Um, you know, and it sort of takes off. You know, and he hit, and I love this, the, the tone of his voice, the tenor. It's, mm. it, it's got that, like, again, it's, there's this sort of like a, it's almost like there's a naivety to it. You know, mm-hmm. like, that pitch that it's at uh, is just so endearing. I mean, it's just... Yeah. A, it's, it's, it's ethereal. It's almost angelic in a lot of ways. Like that, like you had said, that naivete. That, but at the same time, like it just that angelic kind of uh, ethereal type sound to his voice naturally. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 a it's an interesting voice to to put your finger on. Um, and he plays with it, and you know, in a lot of different tunes, he can do different things. Uh, and you hear it too when they do cover tracks. But uh, but yeah, and in that song, it, they're really. I mean, it just floors you. It does. And, and I feel almost like I'm floating on a cloud while I'm listening to this song. Like, it is it is very, very relaxing. Um, and, and I hope 
if he listens to this, I hope he doesn't take this as an insult. When I'm listening to the song, I often have it on my on my sleep music because it does. It relaxes me and it and it puts me in that mode to go to sleep. Not because it's boring, but it just has that type of effect of just relaxing. Yeah, I you know I really uh, I, yeah I know I know what you mean. I mean, and it's a perfect thing. I one time I went to his house and we were listening to records. And, you know, he says that when he misses Gordani, he puts on his records and he just he's just goes right there. And you can do that. And, and you know, and I, so from that, I started doing that back to my own thing, back to my own house, as I would like light candles and listen to records. And like, no, it's just so nice to do that and to like just just to zen out to it, you know, and just to yeah. listen, listen to it. Yeah. And you were mentioning before that he likes to add these little things like he knows what's missing or or not. What's not. Sometimes not missing, but also just like what's going to add to the song, what's going to take it that next step. Um, and there's little things that he adds into the song that, or well, the band does. I'm I'm guessing that it's him uh, because of some of the effects that I could see it being him adding some of the stuff in. For example, like at one point, there's a light breeze that's playing in the in the background, right? And I don't know if it's there for the whole song, but there's times when it definitely comes forward more than others. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, again, and adding to that effect, I mean, I think if he was listening, he would like that. I mean, that he's, he's definitely trying to make you feel the emotion of the song and to even, like, incorporate characters' emotions and journeys and to take it as well. Yeah. And then there's another spot where there's almost, I, I don't know for sure, and I, it doesn't list it in the liner notes on the album, but it sounds like there's maracas playing in there at one point. And I, it's just a really interesting add-in. But yeah. it works. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't, uh, I mean, I know he does like doing the maracas. I know he has that, and I know he likes doing that with his daughter. And, you know, it's definitely something that he, and she can, like, feel the, the way that that shaker makes the noise. So, right. uh, you know, I'd have to go through it again, but I, you know, that would be certainly in keeping with the piece. Yeah. And it's funny. This song is very, it, it's not very, this song is repetitive, but I like it. Like some, some songs get repetitive, but it's too short. And so the repetition is constantly happening. It's, it's, and it's annoying after a very short period of time. The repetition in this song once again, just blends in, and once again, it, it's that mantra that's kind of going on. That's kind of like you had mentioned, helping you feel zen yeah. in that moment. Yeah, I mean, it's got a, it's, it's just got a sweetness to it. I mean, and it's pretty short, so I don't know. You know, I, you know, I always feel like when it leaves you, I want to. I almost feel like it leaves you too soon. I, that it's like when it's end, you know, you want to hear it again because I want to spend time in that space. Yeah. No, and I can, as you had mentioned, I listen to each of the songs between tw 10 to 20 times each week just to to fully break down the sound, the music, the, the what it's trying to say. Um, I didn't mind listening to the song 20 times this week. Well, <laughs> it's a great song. You shouldn't. <laughs> you listen to it that many times. Yeah. Well, and I hate saying this because I know, like, from all the interviews, I've ever seen from reading your article as well as any of the interviews that I've other interviews that I've read. Kevin's a great guy. He's a great person. And so, but I have to say, like, I'm not the biggest fan with his music. It doesn't hit me. It's not as powerful as some of the other music. Um, and I mentioned that when we talked with Mill a while back uh, about another Kevin song, that it just most of the Kevin songs don't hit me in the same way that most Bare Naked Ladies songs do. This one does, though. This one really kind of gets into me and and really makes me get the feels. Nice, man. Well, good. That's you know maybe this will be the bridge back to it. Maybe you just need twenty <laughs> doses of this one to get your uh, to get your mind right. That's right. <laughs> I now want to take it, and I do want to mention one thing. It's really interesting as well. So oftentimes, like the music will change when the lyrics change. The last verse of the song starts to get kind of dark like in the the first few verses in course it sounds very hopeful very uplifting and um the last verse doesn't seem to do that 
less verse starts to get into that depression type stuff, I think. Yeah. But the music, the music doesn't change. I mean, you know, it's an interesting tune. And he says that, you know, he admits that he's been, I forget how he says it. He's been lately, he's been driving in the blue, you know, something like that. And, you know, yep. it's not, you know, and I appreciate that too. And it was like very quickly, you know, you got to be careful with these people. Nobody's an angel and this, he's a great guy, but he's human. And it hasn't been, you know, when the band, he was on tour with the band and they couldn't find him and they broke down his thing and he was on the ground out, you know? Right. <laughs> So like, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's nice to have this dream, but he, he's working just like the rest of us, all of us, anybody, you're the best person, you're Obama, you're whoever. You, you get you times know. in life that go not so great and things that, it, there are times that everything is going to get to you anyways, no matter who you are, no matter how positive you are. Yeah, whatever um, you're dealing with. And I like that that's in here. It's not just a totally positive song. He handles it, even the even the blue part, even the sad part, he handles in a more positive way, and you still feel good listening to it. But, you know, I've been swimming deep in the blues these days is a really poetic way of putting that, you know, there are times that we all still kind of go through this, and I get the feeling that this song in, very, in a lot of ways was cathartic for him to write. Oh, for sure. I know, and I love, I'm glad, I love that you pulled that lyric up. I like the way he says that, too. And uh, yeah, you know, it's just a really, it's bare naked on uh, the emotional sense. And, uh, you know, it's just it's probably my favorite tune. Zero to five. Five means that's absolutely the best song you've ever heard. Um, or it's right up there. It's in, the, it's in the pantheon. Zero, of course, is like, I would never, I wish they'd never made this song, <laughs> tear it up, never want to hear it ever again. Um, it takes a lot to get down to a zero. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the the rating of Flying Dreams just to make it very obvious this week. How many Flying Dreams do you give this song? Five. Five. Is five the highest? Five is the highest. I give it five. I give it. Give five. it a five. I give it six. I mean, I you know <laughs> because five, if you get well, yeah, okay, I give it five. You can't give it six. I mean, six, <laughs> but I give it five. I have to say, I really like the song too. Obviously, it's not my Brian Wilson. It's not, you know, it's, it's not all the way up there for me. But for me, it's definitely up there. And, and it's one of the higher ones that I have for Kevin as well. I'm, I want to say at the highest ranking that I have, this will be the highest ranking that I have for a Kevin song. Um, I'm thinking, sitting here with this song it's not one that i listen to all the time but it is one that i will listen to to put me back into a really good mood it's one that i enjoy and i will seek out at times so i'm going to say that it is a 3.75 okay i mean that's 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 but if you saw it live my man if you saw that thing live you i know you now after this long talk I, you would be on the ground. You would not be. You would. You would eat that at three seven five. Oh, <laughs> I believe probably if I saw it with the video that you had mentioned, if I saw it with with all of that live in concert with him doing it, it would totally like blow it off the charts at that and point. Everybody knew what they were there for. You know. Oh yeah. I mean, come on. Oh yeah. But this song, even without all that, really yeah. digs in and yeah. really, really yeah. gives me the feels. And I love that about a good song. Hi, this is Michelle. I'm here to talk about Flying Dreams. I listened to the spoken word version first and I just loved it. It just felt so important, I guess is the word. It's not really the right word. Heavy. It had a great weight to it, um, but it was really, really good. And then I listened to the musical version of it kevin's version and of course whenever i hear kevin's lyrics at first or his vocals at first it always makes me think of like a back to school special or like a fraggle rock or the muppets kind of like kermit in the kermit the frog in the bog um, before he heads to hollywood but with this song it became more than that and what i loved about the song was the build you know you've got his very simple vocals and then they're just layers keep getting added and added and added throughout the song and i just think that's such a brilliant songwriting technique or a audio 
styling technique. It, it's, you know, his vocals when they're layered like that are just absolutely gorgeous. And I do love them. So, you know, the Kermit the Frog um, reference kind of qu quickly went away. I have to say something about this song. Like, it's beautiful, but it also felt really, really sad. There's something really sad about this song, and it just... I don't know. I really enjoy the song. I think it's beautiful. I think it's one of Kevin's best. I think it's one of my favorites of his. Um, I don't know the whole story behind the song, but it certainly feels like there is one. And I love it. And I give it a four. But my favorite part was the building of the vocals, the harmonies, and they just become better and better. And again, that's really what I love about Bare Naked Ladies. It feels good on my ears to listen to. Yeah. So that's it. I hope you're all having a great day. So my so each week I also do an appearance. I want to throw the appearance out that this week during the fake nudes process, they did webisodes. So the appearance that I have for this week is Kevin talking about his artwork that he does and the keys and uh, his keyboards and his. Uh, so it's a webisode about that. Um, that's going to be this week's uh, appearance. And I want to go back real quick and I want to plug your writing. Can you give us places that people can find you? And also, if you have other stories about Kevin, places that people can find those other stories about Kevin that you've written. That's interesting. Well, the magazine that I do is called Iron, and that's iron.ca. And we have an issue, issue coming out this Friday, actually. So that's exciting. Um, and, but if they wanted to see, I'll email you that picture, that, that piece I did on Kevin with the Lou Reed thing from the National Post. I don't have a website with my stuff on it. I'll email you too. I tell you what, why don't we make you the conduit? If anybody listens to this and want to read my stuff, I've got one about the tragically hip when uh, so Evan is sort of tangentially involved in that. And that was really personal. I'll send you that one and I'll try to find you my one on Kevin with the Lou Reed quote. That'd be great. And I will put all of those things that you send me onto our liner notes for the week. So that way people can easily access them. So real quick, I do want to throw out there an interesting interaction that I had this week. So I, I had the wonderful experience last night of going to the Weird Al concert in Boston. Nice. And my wife, being the wonderful, amazing person that she is for Christmas, bought me the meet and greet package. <laughs> I have never met the man. And I was so utterly entranced and, one, and, and amazed that I got to meet him. Um, and of course, during the signatures, we had time to ask him a question. And my question that I asked him was about the time that when Jerry Springer was going out, uh, when he was writing Jerry Springer, I should say, and released it. And at the same time, Bare Naked Ladies had the one week going on. They did a concert at the Grove in California and invited him on stage to play If I Had a Million Dollars and to do the accordion. And of course, he gets up and I've, I've used that appearance in the past. So please go back, reference that appearance in the past that I have posted uh and weird al got on stage and played the accordion with them on stage doing if i had a million dollars so i asked him like how that happened how did that come about weird al being very much like you had mentioned with kevin this week just very down to earth and very easygoing and and just normal person said well my family and i kind of frequent that shopping mall quite often and i just me and my family just happened to be at the Grove and we saw them playing and I was in the audience and they picked me out of the crowd and they're like, Hey, come on up. And I asked them, well, what was that like to get up there? Place like they are a bunch of really great guys. And it's wonderful when you can get up there and support people who are really amazing and wonderful. Yeah. Now that's me paraphrasing. Of course, yeah. it's not direct, direct quote. I wish I could have, but he wouldn't let me No, No recording was allowed. Oh, okay. Um, so that's my paraphrase of what he was saying. He worded it much better than I did. But he was just very down to earth. And it was it's funny that it was a very coincidental situation that, that occurred. But one of my favorite moments of history of having two amazing icons in one place at one time. Nice. So I will also look up that what you were mentioning about Hayden doing the Nationals' Will You Be My Girl, I believe you said it was. I need my girl. I need my girl. And I will be posting that as well. Nice. So people can Great. listen to that. Good. And uh, uh, 
it's been really great. I have a question for you. <clears throat> One last big question. Are there times when you are worried about what people are going to think about your article? Do you kind of get that? I don't know. The I think the, the, the phraseology is the fog of writing. Yeah, man. I've had that a million times. I've been, I mean, I've been on, you know, this Kevin piece is nice because I've been on the negative version of this plenty of times. Uh, once, twice, three times. I've written stuff and my wife has cried. I've For good eaten, reason I have help. Okay. <laughs> No, I have. And and actually, last summer, when I spent all that time with the band, you know, the guy really freaked out. You never know. It's not <laughs> or less work. So well, I have had that. So And you try. But they say, like, if you know, if you write it for the people, then it's publicity. And, you know, and I'm not doing publicity. I'm doing editorial. It's not paid. So but at the same time, like, you know, you fall in with these people. So you're not out to, like, screw anybody over. But you never, right. you know, you go your own way. You follow your views. I mean, you know, yeah. But I have the answers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, coincidentally enough, that is the song that we'll be covering next week. Is the fog of writing? Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. I I encourage anyone listening to this, please go out and read Ben's writing. It is amazing. I love the style. And once again, it makes you feel very much like you're there. It's that personal approach instead of the very systematic and I don't know interviewer type style where you you, you feel like you're. You're getting to know the person, what they're giving you. This is much more personally. You feel like you really get to know that deep down personal characterization. Um, so please go out and read his articles. Right on, man. Thank you. And thank you. That was fun. Thanks. That was fun. Don't forget. No regrets. Except maybe. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.